What's up, you guys? Welcome to podcast number 70. In this episode, Dr. Riolo and I sit down. We started off. We really had no idea where it was going to go, but ended up in a great place really talking about some of the biggest barriers that we experience to collaboration and how we can sort of eliminate those to maximize the opportunities that we have uh, to work together as a team to ultimately serve the patient more effectively. So I really hope you guys enjoy. Let's get to the show. Usually when that gets that fade, I'm like, here we go. It's like, not yet. So, okay. <laughs> All right. So we're back. Yeah. You're back. I'm back. I've been, That's I've right. been here the whole time. That's right. That's true. And, and yes, I am so available. You have as well. Yes. For that matter, just yes. in the other area of the yeah, building. But on the floor. Yes. Yeah. 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 But it's been, uh, I mean, I think we say it every year. I mean, it's a busy summer, you know, and has been, um, but I, I think for me, uh, administratively, I think what has been busy is really trying to figure out, um, I don't want to say operations, but I think it's just a matter of efficiency and growth. I mean, I, I think, I shouldn't even say I think. I mean, that's what we talked about for whatever number of podcasts this is. It's always some degree of growth. How do we grow? How do we grow? How do we grow? How do we grow? Um, but a lot of what we talk about is almost like individual and I, I think what we don't give enough merit to is sort of that collaborative component. Like, how do you do it in a group? Like, how does a group grow? Um, and, you know, now that the new website is live, the education portal is live. So uh, for those of you, uh, of course, uh, listeners, first types of listeners or uh, longtime listeners. Um, yeah, if you go to pawhealth.net, we have our new education portal for uh, veterinary professionals. So it's going to be students, uh, certified technicians, veterinary nurses, veterinarians. Um, so, you know, the, the whole point is that, you know, on there, we're going to start to put, obviously, our podcast content is going to be on there, at least in some capacity. But it really is that heavy collaborative side, you know, is, um, you know, how, how do we do any of it uh, for, uh, from after actions to, you know, 515s to, you know, strategic planning, but then also like from inventory management. So it's, it really is a platform of collaboration mm-hmm. um, in how we kind of do the things that we do. But more importantly, it being sort of free to the industry is, again, that ongoing collaborative part. If we have viewers that watch this or watch this, hey, I think there's a better way to do this or we've had experience with that. I mean, I think it, you know, is bi-directional, at least in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think, you know, for what we have, and that was kind of our coming into 2021, um, you know, the core value changed. Uh, we went from uh, trust, respect, unity, and accountability. Unity, we flipped out to collaboration, mm-hmm. you know, primarily because uh, trust, respect, uh, I mean, those all in some capacity need unity, uh, you know, accountability needs unity. Um, but you know, really what I think we do uh, relatively well on 
how can I say it's like on the leadership level. Um, I think we're, you know, very, very efficient at collaboration, breakdown into our supporting role members, not quite as much. Um, and then, you know, certainly then getting up into our, um, you know, supported staff. Uh, it's, I don't know that really any collaboration happens, you know, and I think it does like on, on the, um, you know, individual transaction level, um, you know, uh, from a, uh, here's phlebotomy, here's how we run the blood machines, you know, so I think there is like definitely a training component to collaboration, um, but that's very mechanical. It's like, here's how you do a catheter. Here's how you wrap this. Here's how you do the treatments. This is what you dilute this to. This is where we have inventory. So it's really more of a, you know, collaboration in some capacity can be a fulfillment of task or fulfillment of process. But really collaboration comes down to that same idea of growth, because we say that there's two jobs in Paw Health. You have your, um, you know, your role description, um, you know, and then you really, you have more of like a cultural description. I mean, you know, so, um, you know, how do we function within the team and, you know, how do we deal with conflict and so on and so forth. So really that's what I said for me, administratively coming into this summer, it's been a lot of like 30,000 foot view type things, like really big picture things like, all right, if we're bringing collaboration in as one of our new core values, what does that actually mean? Like, what does that actually mean? And why is that now a core value and unity isn't? Well, of course, I said a few minutes ago that you have to have unity for all of it to work. Um, but it really gives merit to the point that, you know, this this collaboration that we have had and this collaborative tools that we have had over the last five years work really, 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 really well, um, you know, from a strategic planning standpoint and from a leadership standpoint. But we really haven't followed through on to the supported staff level. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what we, you know, um, I was just uh, talking to um, a new uh, new staff that just came on board today or this week or whatever, is it's like, you know, we, we have these tools of growth. We have these tools of education. But, you know, the game that we were playing at uh, 20 employees to now being 60 plus mm -hmm. is there are definitely shades of similarity. You know, uh, jobs were a little bit different. But, um, you know, there are things that we kind of just sort of let fly under the radar. Mm -hmm. You know, because at 20 employees, like, are you going to tackle this really huge problem that may be affecting one person? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, yeah, definitely. If it's significantly impacting that one person, you definitely want to address it. But it gets back to our same question. Is this an individual problem or is mm -hmm. this a systems problem? Right. Well, part of identifying systems problems is that sometimes you have to have a lot of people failing the same or falling the same way or making the same mistakes before you can identify that it's a systems problem. But when you have 15 to 20 employees, there might not be the influx of conflict. Right. And, or I shouldn't say influx. So I should say is the identification the of the volume. Yes. Yes. The volume <laughs> of conflict. Cause if you have 20 employees, it's a lot of, well, I got your back, mm -hmm. you know, and that's kind of your team. You want, I got your back. I got your back. I got your back. Um, but it's kind of, we talked about in past podcasts with this family dynamic is if we have a smaller group, a family group, it's like, well, you know, so-and-so is not good at this. I'm just, I got your back. I'm going to pick up the slack for you. Yep. And it's like, all right, well, the idea is yes, if they need help, please help them. Mm -hmm. But it's not an indefinite it help. The, yeah. That's kind of the difference between a rescuer and a mentor. Yeah. You know, as a rescuer is just more of like quick to save the day, where a mentor is more of like, all right, you know, encouragement. Okay, I'm going to show you how to do this. Um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, providing that support, but it's not indefinite support. So when you have conflict in smaller groups, sometimes it is difficult to identify 
um, you know, is it systemic? Is it individual? But as you start to grow your staff, you start to grow as an organization, I feel like the I got your back doesn't necessarily go away. It's just you get a little bit better about what defined roles are, what defined yeah. jobs are, what defined responsibilities are. Mm-hmm. And then you start to have the statistical outliers. It starts to become more obvious when they're not sort of fulfilling their role. Mm-hmm. Or we have conflict that is being generated among multiple people that then indicates that there's a systemic problem. Right. So for us, and that's what I've been thinking about a lot this summer, because remember, this is, we're all talking about collaboration and why collaboration is now a core value, um, is saying, all right, well, what we did at 20 versus now 60 plus, mm-hmm. the stuff that we kind of let the team sort of figure out or we were there on the floor managing 20 people versus now we're on the floor trying to manage 60 um, or administratively, you know, uh, you know, from the sidelines or what have you, you know, trying to manage that many people. Um, it's, it is more difficult when we don't have tools of growth to be utilized at the ground level. And if you have tools of growth, who is keeping an eye on whether or not those tools are being used mm-hmm. to grow? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where, that's where I've been really kind of struggling here through this summer. And I've, you know, I talked to Annie and Katie and of course yourself, um, you know, is really talking about how do we track this? How do we identify? Cause what we don't want to have is, an environment where, you know, we basically sell snake oil. Because right. if we look at our education system, the education system, there's four different tiers to it. And those four tiers are mimicked between students and between uh, veterinary professional, or at least, um, you know, postgraduates, I should say. Um, it's saying, all right, well, we have, you know, tier one, two, three, four, um, and here's the plan. And what we have, at least in tier three, is the idea with tier three uh, for employees is this um, every six-month touch point with Annie's senior accountability. And we don't do uh, peer reviews. I think we've talked about that yeah. before. We do yep. performance reviews. It's a performance-based system. Um, you know, but then it's a matter of like, all right, I go through a performance review. Uh, we've kind of even flipped that on its head where now it's actually individual-run. It's employee-run performance reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more of how and what are we uh, failing at? Where do we have growth? You know, what would you like to work on? Mm-hmm. And then that's where I don't want to say it stops, but it kind of stops. Yeah. You know, that, that was, yeah. that was actually one of the big things that I was looking at coming into this year is it's like, we have all these different tools. We have all these different things. And, you know, at the leadership level, I mean, we know we're like, oh yeah, well, obviously this is what we use and this is how we get stuff done and da, 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 da. But it's more of like, all right, if we had 20 employees, t- 20 or less, and we're doing performance reviews twice a year, that was a lot for 20 people. Yeah. You know, when we were a smaller group, it was like, why are we doing this so often? Or people was like, you know, we have employees. Well, I just did this six months ago. Like, why do I have to do this again? You know, we just had it. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was almost like it was too much. Yeah. But then, you know, our education system didn't grow because it's about scalability. Mm-hmm. It didn't, I don't want to say it didn't grow, but it, it didn't really define the quote unquote job or the responsibilities or, you know, where sort of the buck stopped when it came to what happens between those six month intervals, who's tracking, who's doing what. And at least in some way, shape or form, you know, we had, you know, four core group, we had a couple other things, but yep. you know, where we ended was, you know, this was a couple of years, maybe a year ago, something like that, a uh, year and a half, we came up with what we call our supporting role members. Mm-hmm. So por- supporting role members uh, would basically be like the equivalent of a, you know, head tech or head doctor, or head support staff, um, but really more again, cause we're an inverted or inverted org chart. It's actually, these people are supporting the other supported staff. Mm-hmm. So the idea was, was that, you know, with the supporting role members, it was going to be a matter of like, okay, well, as we 
have, um, you know, Annie in charge of accountability, they were supposed to sort of work more, you know, with the staff, um, you know, train them where they needed to be trained, you know, get some information back to Annie if they were struggling. Um, and then the last 18 months happened. Right. You know, COVID happened. Yeah. You know, we went from however many cases to now. I mean, this year, I swear to God, if we don't hit 19K, I think it's going to be insane on mm -hmm. patient load. So mm -hmm. our patient load has gone up, you know, and I mean, we have all these excuses, right? So, um, you know, at least in some way, shape or form being unaccountable to the task. It's like, you know, I don't want to be victim to the amount of business that we have or the amount of patients that we have. Um, it's not a matter of saying, well, COVID is my excuse for having poor administration. Mm -hmm. COVID is my excuse for the SRMs not following up with staff. Uh, you know, COVID is my excuse for this and that. It's not really what it is. It's, it's, it's an objective identification of being like, all right, we had a substantial stressor on our, you know, ground floor process. We had a substantial stressor on our administrative process. We have well over half of the people in survival mode, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, well, how are we dealing with that in our current roles? Because obviously, our supporting role members still have their full-time jobs, mm -hmm. you know, so then they, okay, well, I got, you know, uh, 501c3, I got lead tech, I got, you know, medical support coordinator, you know, then they have this other add-on role and it's like, damn, they're barely keeping their head above water on that just for as busy as we are staying late and, you know, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so now it, again, objectively that has happened. Mm -hmm. So now it's a matter of saying, how do we take the tools that we have and how do we bring it then to the level of the supported staff in a responsible way. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, again, I, uh, I, of course, you know, you and I kind of brainstorm on it, Katie brainstorm, you know, Annie, so on and so forth. So we have a couple ideas out there, you know, mm -hmm. on exactly how to do it. And see, again, for me, you know, I don't want to jump the gun here because Katie still has, you know, her input and stuff that she's, she, you know, um, that she's going to have in on it and then we'll, you know, kind of figure out the actual process. Mm -hmm. But the idea is while we have a senior accountability officer, someone to sort of hold employees accountable when there's been a clear, um, you know, break of process or interpersonal conflict or mm -hmm. inefficiency or, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, but really what it is, is that there needs to be an active process of collaboration. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for me, the idea is, you know, what tools do we have for collaboration? And I just, I think about the utility of the after action, mm -hmm. you know, and our after action report is, it's, it's pretty legit. Mm -hmm. um, because it's like, you know, we took the one from the armed forces mm -hmm. and said, all right, this is how they run it. And I mean, we talked about this too, like, I say we definitely use the first half according to the armed force institution, yeah. but the last half we kind of don't. Yeah. I mean, it gets used in the way that it's supposed to, but there's all of the work and I've never been in one as a Marine. Right. So I don't know specifically <laughs> sure. how they use it, but yeah. there's all, almost all of the work is done in the establishment of reality. Like it's correct. That is like the the way when you hear somebody say to hold someone else accountable that's basically what they're referring to is establishing reality within a group now we generally do it poorly outside of professional or just like a shared uh, outcome circumstance right oh yeah but that's like yeah, when you like say like lives, we need yeah. to hold these people accountable it's like we'll just acknowledge what reality is yeah. like that's typically what they're referring to and, yeah. and there's there's a lot of work that goes into it to do it the right way yeah and then you then once you get through that process it just feels like those like that's the second question or the third and fourth and fifth questions of 
what's the plan and who's going to do it yeah. is just so natural. Yeah. It's just like, well, clearly because of what the problem is, yeah. this is now the solution. We've yeah. now share what this definition is. This part's now easy versus we're not going to talk about what the problem is. Yeah. We're just going to try and band aid it. And yes. then we put all the work on the back end and maybe yeah. we'll get lucky 20% of the time. Right. Well, no. And I, <laughs> I mean, for a hip shot statistic, I don't think that's far off no. because I mean, the times that we've run after actions, we had a plan going in. Yeah. This is obviously what it's going to be. And this is going to be the outcome. And then it's like, Oh, oh. yeah. You know, the one that our famed one, uh, you know, that was three and a half hours. There was 37. Is that what it was? 37 different points of education or learning or growth. Mm -hmm. um, Half of which I don't even think we saw. No. You know, no, maybe. No, we would have noticed an absence of a solution being implemented. Uh, Sure. Because the problem would have resurfaced. But it was one of those things where it's like, okay, all of these people have their two or three things that they're going to do. And there's 12 people in the room. Right. So everyone just go do your thing. And it didn't really repeat. Yeah. Or the right. problem was the person and the person. Yeah. Didn't off repeat. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, yeah. but, but I think what you're getting at is that, that's, that is pre, has been historically our most active collaborative process. Yes. It's the yes. most engaging in terms of like volume, yeah. but also in terms of just people because yeah. case reviews are technically a collaborative process as well, but you have less people, yeah. similar type of work, all that sort of stuff. Um, but that's the thing where we've seen the most headway made in the shortest amount of time. Absolutely. No. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, it's, you know, for, for what it's worth. I mean, cause so actually we just called, actually I just called an after action, but it was more so of just, everyone was like, OMG WTF um, on an after action here on a case that, um, you know, has been here for about six, seven days now. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually medically, no problem. Right. Patient was treated appropriately right away. Patient's doing fine for all intents and purposes. The once we actually finally were able to get a hold of the people, uh, actually pretty happy all the way around. Mm-hmm. But it was the it was the clerical risk from the moment of intake now through discharge. All the different clerical mistakes that um, you know I would I would argue uh, most of the staff that would have been in this event would have been exposed to as a matter of process, but never educated as an, a matter of importance. Yep. This is an acting agent. This is an owning caregiver. Okay, well, fine. Why do we have that? Well, I didn't get as much information as I should have on this. Well, yeah, whatever. And this person, it's like, no, no, no. These things have really significant legal ramifications, mm-hmm. um, especially because uh, Molly, uh, in one of the multi-doctor, multi-tech um, um, uh, state board complaints that we got, it was like five different licenses. And it essentially boiled down to who had identified themselves as the owner, who identified themselves as the acting agent. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why that case was an easy walkthrough, you know, just, you know, it was like, okay, yep, wrote it together, sent it back, whatever, is because we had proper documentation along the way, who was who, who said what, I'm this, I'm the owner, that, nope, that's the acting agent, I made this decision. And then in the end, it was like, you know, the person who identified it was a boyfriend had identified as the owning caregiver then said to molly well actually it's my girlfriend's cat and then molly wrote that conversation in the medical record which right. was single-handedly mm-hmm. the strongest evidence that you know at this point we hadn't done anything without consent right you know because had that not been there yeah. um, then it would have been a it wouldn't have been 100 percent lost but it would have been more difficult mm-hmm. um you know so but again that was with you know what we were 40 ish employees at that point Mm -hmm. you know so now that we're 60 plus it's like all right 
just like I said, it's it's they have had exposure to this clerical process, right. but no one's really understood it. Yeah, that's the uh, kind of going back to some of the other stuff that we talked about. That to me is that connection between um, uh, role, responsibility, shared purpose, and then my personal ROI. Yeah. And that can be a negative, right? So if yeah. it's going to take a, if it's going to detract from my ROI, if yeah. it, like I should probably know why this matters essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And the more, yeah, you know, actually, I was kind of struggling with that yesterday in just doing some like tier one level training stuff because I kept contextualizing everything. Yeah. Like it's so hard (laughs) for me to not tell you why this matters, but from a tier one perspective, it's like, you'll get it. We like, it will get there. Yes. Especially if you do the process right yeah. from the get go. Like, don't ne- like just yeah. trust the fact that this exists for a reason for a yeah. short period of time and then ask why after you yeah. know what it is. Yes. Like, just just do it. Yeah. Like, I promise you. It's, yes. And, and question it. Like, I'm not saying don't question the process. Yeah. But if I give you the full context why, there's so much stuff yeah. to absorb in your first four to six weeks. Yeah. You don't need that context immediately. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to do it and yes. do it well yeah. and then ask why later. Well, that's what we did with the caregiver support guide. Yeah. You know, when we were working on that two and a half years ago, whatever, three years ago, whatever yeah. it was, it, or two and a half years ago, it was just like, all right, let's detail this out. We're going to have this algorithm. It's going to be a oh, geez, tornado, tornado warning. warning. <laughs> uh, okay, they just keep extending it. Um, you know, I mean, that's what it was. It was like, well, hey, if we have this resource yeah. and the resource has everything and it's got the context and this is why, yep. and it was just like, that was a... It's a lot of volume. Behemoth, yeah. yes. Um, and so Joe actually, um, she's uh, you know our our, uh, our processing specialist. Um, she struggles with that. Mm-hmm. You know when it's just like tier one training stuff. She's like, I have to constantly remind myself. Or you know we talk about you have to remind yourself like don't do all the what ifs. Right. Like just do the basic clicks. Yep. You know. And now of course that we're doing the uh, video series yeah. and video walkthroughs for the um, education portal. Yeah. That's the thing. And it's that's like you have to just. That's the, hard, that's the hardest part about doing those videos. Oh, sure. Because all, I think all of us like just fundamentally struggle with it because if you've been here more than six months, you know, so many of those if then scenarios, Yeah. but it's like, how, what are the, what are the foundational blocks that I've then built in my own head yep. about each of these scenarios? Cause it's like talking on the damn phone. Yes. There's a, there's an infinite number of if thens. Yes. I cannot teach you all of them, no. but I can teach you the f- seven things that you have to give to someone yep. and the five things you have to get from them. Yes. And then you have to fill in the gaps. <laughs> Yes. Like that's yeah. that's the, the way. Shortest amount of time, right? If it goes more than two and a half minutes, you're wasting time on yes. the phone. <laughs> yes, exactly. It is absolutely. Dude, it, that is yes. true math yes. right there. Yes, that is. Yeah, because you take ton, you know two, ten of those calls. That's a half hour of work. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, uh-huh. it's it's what it is. Um, but <clears throat> but I kind of so I, I I think I know because we walked into this as we do with every other podcast yes. with not knowing a yes. damn bit about what we're going to talk about. Yes. But I think you just, ideas. I think you figured it out and I was writing stuff down as you were kind of working through your thought process um, as the goal is to have as much collaboration as is feasibly possible. 
right? Whether it's one-to-one group-based, you know, leadership level, SRM to supported role to whatever, it just maximize it. Yeah. Um, then what you've been working on, and I think it has been like the, uh, the, the roadblock or the bumps along the road has been, um, trying to do, like come up with a solution that solves the limitations of that extensive amount of collaboration. Yeah, but I don't know <laughs> if you've necessarily defined out what all of the barriers to collaboration are first. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I was writing down as I was just, oh, I, yeah. I mean, you were saying them. And, oh yeah. Uh, I got a big one. <laughs> you, what's, what is your big one? Habitual behavior. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's, so that's actually where for me, again, in the last several months, that's what I, I've been thinking about that exclusively, yeah. right? Because yeah. if we're looking at a systems problem, and actually I had mentioned uh, Amy, she runs communications, um, is, you know, <clears throat> for me, it kind of dawned on me. I'm like, all right, somewhere in this collaborative process, because if we look at, so again, let, let's get up to what we have right now is the creating accountability chart, which I know is changing because in my brain it has changed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, right now, you know, what you have is you get through reality ownership solutions and plan and from plan you get to implementation and implementation is the individual utilizes the resources to implement the plan. Mm-hmm. So, which you shouldn't have a word to define itself, doesn't matter. Uh, so when we look at implementation, it was a matter of like, okay, well, if implementation is successful, then you move to success. Yep. Cool. Well, why was it successful? Because I was more clear because I was more consistent, because I had more confidence, I had more competence. But the question is, all right, so if you fall again, and fall is that, you know, again, maybe the plan didn't work, the solution wasn't appropriate for the problem, we thought we had an idea going into it, but it wasn't exactly what we should have been doing or whatever. So you come back to fall tolerance, and the idea with fall tolerance is you circle back by being like, cool, we're going to jump back to collaboration, we're going to try to figure this out again. Mm-hmm. Um, more often than not, what we have is not a... Uh, unwillingness to uphold policy and process. It's not an unwillingness to do so. We have a desire where most people, generally speaking, have a desire to do good work. You have Mm -hmm. a desire to do excellent work. You have a desire to be the best in your field. You have a desire for all of these things that you mentioned, you get this return on investment. Mm -hmm. You have a desire for that. Mm -hmm. But often what happens is that we have habitual behavior that does not support that desire. Mm So when we look at habitual behavior, it's then a matter of, well, how do you fix habitual behavior to then have a success, to not just have a desire to do so, but actually move that desire into success? And the question is, do you try to fight habit or do you create new habits? Mm-hmm. And we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Is It is very much, uh, in my opinion, I know it's a common opinion, is that for me, I have no intention of fighting bad behavior. Mm-hmm. I have every intention of training new behavior. Yeah. And as we train new behavior, um, again, that's where you will see more successes. Yeah. But with habitual behavior being one of those barriers, the question is who is monitoring and how are we monitoring mm-hmm. the training of new habitual behavior? Right. And that's where, for me, when we say the uh, you know, lack of follow-up, um, now we say lack of follow-up, again, habitual behavior. Is the lack of follow-up, the individual is not 
going back to their supporting role member, or is that the lack of follow-up, the supporting role member is not going back to the individual. Mm -hmm. And we need to have two halves of the pie. It's what we talk about with mentorship. You need to have, uh, you know, a mentor can't do more work than a mentee, and a mentee can't do more work than a mentor. So it's who's going to make the first move, who's going to make the first engagement, who's going to end up doing that. But I would say those are your probably two biggest barriers, because most of the time people show the desire. I want to do better. I want to do this. I want to learn that. Absolutely. That makes sense. I want to do that next time. I don't want to have this conflict next time. Mm -hmm. But if they are rooted in habitual behavior, Mm -hmm. then they're going to do it again. Mm -hmm. And then you go back through the collaboration process, reality, ownership, solutions, plan. And what happens when you have a reality established, they own the problem, they see the solution, we have a plan, but then they just didn't do it. Mm -hmm. They just didn't do it. Well, I have the desire to, but I just didn't do it. Well, why? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. I want to. I just didn't. And it's like, ah, then maybe we don't have a tool of collaboration to make sure the mentors and the mentees are collaborating appropriately to make sure that new habitual behavior is taught. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it's not to say that there aren't multiple ways to do things. I mean, that's the important thing here is that if, again, we have conflict with someone who's doing, well, this is the way that I do it. And it's like, well, maybe that is actually more efficient than the process we currently have. So it is it is uh, malleable. You know, we have to be willing to understand that there are times that administration needs to, you know, bend and there are times when individuals need to bend. But ultimately, that that is, again, what I've been thinking really, really hard about is what is the problem? And, and it, it dawned on me. The problem is not desire. Most people who want to have a return on investment, they have a desire yeah. to get that return. Yeah, I, it can't. It can be desire. You know, that's one of the things. Um, so, in the ideal team player, the ideal team player is hu- humble, hungry, and smart. What you're referring to is hunger, and thankfully, here we don't necessarily have a significant issue with hunger. I think that's a fair point. Like it exists outside of here. Yeah. I think that's what I mean is internally. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have a problem with desire, but you're right in a different setting that may end up being the identification of a problem within those teams. Uh Maybe you have people who actually don't have the desire to change. Yeah. Why are we here? Right. Why are we here? And that's, that's a big reason why we push shared purpose so hard is because if you get in line with that hunger is very natural. Yeah. Like to, to, to desire to serve the patient better, more effectively, more efficiently is typically something that people that decide that they want to work with animals all day long yeah. can get behind pretty darn fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's not, there's it's an, it's not an industry. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. It's, it's a, it's an, in, uh, an individual in the industry, um, statistically highly probable trait. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes. unless it's been beat out of them through unnecessary conflict, right. You know, right. whether it be past employers to education process to debt to income, that, you know, loss of self-worth. Me, that plays into humble right so like if you're if you have been exposed to non-humble behavior or process that is something that can you know a a, a non-ideal team player can ruin an ideal team player (laughs) like it's it bad apple spoils the bunch kind of scenario and because that's so um and, and we've had it here where we've had people who have been essentially we we know who they are less humble and um it ruins the uh cultural environment in the moment and then over time it erodes it outside of just the moment and just kind of starts to get down into the structures and 
that's got to go because it's so contagious to have that like divisive mindset and to me that's you know humility does play really heavily into collaboration because to be yeah. collaborative you have to acknowledge that you failed yes which is typically not something that people who aren't humble like to do yeah um so that that's another big thing but to go with the third point and i think that this is why having somebody who is um specifically designated to the um monitoring and fulfillment of collaboration on a more maximized level is smart. And it's not to say that the people who work here aren't smart. Right, right. It's but defined. how yeah. many of us in the industry, especially if you take um, technicians or veterinary nurses and then doctors, are trained in what active collaboration should be. No. It's very sparse. Yeah. Like, And even to get that, in any profession is is difficult because you know I went to business school yeah. and mark you know, all this crap where it's like that would make more sense to learn how to communicate since you took a whole bunch of communications classes right. and not really yeah um yeah. and and I think what you know tends to happen is we just get thrown in and some people figure it out and some people don't but in our in this industry um the education is is very trade based because you have to learn so many skills Correct. to be good at your job Correct. that don't include communication that don't include collaboration. And just by a lack of education, you're not as intelligent on collaboration Correct. as you can be. Right. right. And, it, and, and it's, and no one here is saying that everyone that's listening to this cannot learn how to actively collaborate very, very well. Yeah. But we have to walk into every engagement with an individual who hasn't been through an active collaborative process and assume that they know nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard to do yeah. because to, to be the person that is actively monitoring that process, like for me, as you know, I, I, like a part of me is like, I could do that. But another part of me is like, I'd be terrible at it because I tend to run out ahead. Right. Yeah. And it's like, Oh shit, that's right. You're back there. And that's not your fault. Like there's yeah, no, there's, there's no, no blame here. Yeah. The reality is you need to be caught up. The reality is you need a little bit of education to be a really productive member of this process. Yeah. It's just that little bit of education goes a really, really long way because yeah. you have the desire. And once I, point you in the right direction and you run that way, yeah. you're going to catch up really, really fast. Yeah. But that first step is pretty hard and to notice it and see the signs of somebody struggling with how do I actively collaborate with those that are around me in a way that is productive in a way that doesn't significantly inhibit the efficiency of patient care, yep. all that sort of stuff. That's really freaking hard to do. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of it is uh, timing, yes. you know, it's like, yeah. I, I think a lot of the, you know, we, I mean, we've talked about this for actually way back in the beginning when we were still, you know, running out triage in a less efficient manner than we do now. Um, but it was a matter of like, you know, a new, a new staff member comes to a, you know, more senior staff member and like, how do I do this? Yep. And they're like, just do this. And they're like, well, why? And it's like, I don't have time to answer that right now. Yep. 
uh, you know, that can, the, the education part can happen at a later time. And it's actually kind of funny because, uh, we had one of our, uh, newer staff, uh, actually go to Annie about one of our senior staff for that exact point. Mm-hmm. I don't have time, you know, the senior staff, I don't have time to go over this with you right now. So she was actually being, he or she was actually being identified as uh, someone who was unwilling to collaborate or, you know, yeah. sort of unwilling to engage. And it was actually like, no, that's actually our directive is that there's not necessarily a time for collaboration at every single moment. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, we kind of, like I said, with the tier one stuff, it's like, all right, well, I just need to get the basics out there. We're going right. to elaborate on the if then later. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's the perception of being blown off. Yeah. You know, is yeah. it's like, well, if I, if I can't get an answer on this right now, then I'm going to get blown off. And yep. it's like, that's not the point yep. is that collaboration can happen at any times, but depending on what else is happening around us, we also need to be aware of what's happening around us. But we also then need to make sure there is a process in place so that the person doesn't actually get blown off. Right. You know, is that if there was a teaching point or there was a growth point or there was a clarity point or whatever it is, we need to make sure that's also followed up on. Mm -hmm. And that's where, like you said, when you look at a a group of people, you know, whether it's our SRMs or another individual kind of overseeing collaboration, that's essentially the conversation is make sure that as we start to have these plans, because what's what's a tier one and tier two employee? It's a a spoon fed plan. Mm -hmm. This is your plan. Mm-hmm. Go through the training over the next three months. This is your plan. Mm-hmm. But then when you kind of get outside of that, it's like, all right, well, what's my plan now? Well, we're going to talk to you twice a year. Cool. What's my plan between those twice a year talking points? Mm-hmm. It's like, yes. Yeah. So when you come into that that process, right, where it's like, all right, uh, what are we going to do? you know, ground floor to, like I said, two halves of the pie. You have to have mentorship. Yep. Uh, you have to have uh, mentee stewardship, you know, I mean, at least yeah. in some capacity you have to be on both sides. But, you know, when you're spoon fed that plan in the first, you know, one tiers one and two, that, that's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not to say that three months is as clear as it could be, um, you know, because obviously there are some clarity items there, um, you know, but again, we've had yeah. these things, we've had these tools, but mm-hmm. you know, how do we sort of bring it into that that day to day day to day utility? Yeah, um, and that's where again we sort of sided with the five fifteens. Uh, you know, at least that's yeah. that's the current running I thought. Again, yeah. Katie and I, we still have to kind of finish on and the that, way to do yeah. it. But because so in that, um, you know, you talk about how those first ninety days, even even a little bit beyond that, it's it is pretty darn spoon fed. That to me is one of those things where once you get through that process, there has to be like this, this reset or breaking point to get into something else. Because you talk about how habitual behavior is the problem or part of the problem. Yeah, one of the yeah. biggest barriers to collaboration. Well, I've just spoon fed you something for 90 days yeah. every day, yeah. just something like yeah. I, because I have to, yes, I absolutely yes. have to tell you how to do this job well yeah. with as much clarity as I can give you. Yeah. Um, we're working on clarity. We're working to create consistency or increasing competence, benchmarking stuff, you know, all that, but it creates a habit of, ah, right. Right. Like, Oh, just, right. Just feed, feed me. Feed yes. me. Right. <laughs> Nothing yes, wrong yes. with that. Yeah. But, how do you break that? How do you get out of that habit? Because now it's a question of, okay, I'm good at this job. Like I have the fundamentals down. Yep. How do I get better? Why does me getting better matter? Yeah. Why does this process exist? Yeah. How can we make more clarity? How can we make more consistency across the board? And that's a way different process because now I am 
Mm. I'm creating collaboration. Yeah. I'm not waiting for it. Yes. And that's, you know, four to five in yeah. accountability. Yeah. It's up there. And yeah. well, and so we've had that conversation in different ways. Yeah. We've talked about the ABCD employee versus the A1, A2, A3, A4, B1, yeah. B2, B3, B4. Yeah. So if you have a spoon fed process, you're saying, hey, Here's your A one through ten. Right. Here's your B one through fifteen. Just mm -hmm. go ahead and consume it, please. But we keep saying that you know one of the ways in which we identify ideal team player is you really want to have A B C D employees. Yeah, people who can be like, all right, here's you know I think uh, Dane actually refers to it as the uh, spirit of the law. Yep. You know, it's like this is generally how things are done, and you know here's the confines in which we want you to work. Now go do it. Obviously, if there's new things developed along the way, we can train things new ways and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, but again, we've, you know, we've talked about that, you know, and Trevor actually is kind of says the same thing. He's like, you know, the more policies we make, the more procedures we make. He says we start to have uh, more people uh, lacking or losing independent thought, mm -hmm. you know, independent process. Well, the only way I can do this is if I ask for permission how to do it. Right. You know, and you're exactly right. So mm -hmm. it, it then you then couple that on the individual side where now they're like, well, they are telling me this is the way that I need to do this and this is the way that I need to do it. And like, I don't want to make a mistake and, and get yelled at. I don't want to make a mistake and do this wrong. And I don't want, you know, and it, it starts to drive back that dialogue of the victim mentality. They're sort of powerless to take you know, yep. responsibility for those actions. Well, you need to tell me how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and that you're exactly right. So how is it that you, in one period of time, now when I say period of time, I'm gonna include the entire education system. Mm -hmm. You, you can't go to the bathroom without a hall pass. You can't do this without asking permission. You need to do this and then take yeah. that test. You know, so even through you know elementary school, middle school, high school, and even into higher education, we're sort of forced into this idea of just following the rules. Yeah. You know, the so alarm compliance. Compliance. Yeah, mm -hmm. the bell goes off. Next class. Bell goes off. Next class. Mm -hmm. So. We're now saying, yeah, that's cool, but you're only going to do that for three months, and then you're going to learn this whole new thing, sort of. Yeah. You know, and so how do you do that? How do you transition that over uh, into saying, well, we have on one hand, you know, like you said, the, the you know, I'm going to spoon feed you this, but how do you get them to close their mouth and be, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not waiting to be fed, but how are you going to leave the nest and, you know, start to then, you know, learn how to feed yourself and, you know, do a lot of these things and a lot of these items. Um, and it does, at least in some capacity, come back to your self-perceived assessment of, you know, convictions. How, you know, are, are, you, are, are you confident? Mm -hmm. You know, is this something where uh, you trust yourself? Is it something, you know, so when you then overlap this and being like, well, I'm not comfortable enough, I'm not confident enough to step out on my own to start making decisions on this, that's the transition. Mm -hmm. That's the transition from tier um, two to tier three, but ultimately it's to tier four. Because tier four is you are engaging in that collaboration enough that you're either going to advance the industry or you're going to advance things locally. Mm -hmm. So to just say you're going to go from a 90-day tier two employee to then just making the flip over to being like, and now I'm going to have be all on my own and I need to learn how to do this by myself and you know these type of things, it kind of goes against the idea of collaboration. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. We have tools and that's you know feedback we have collaborative devices that get you closer and closer and closer to being more confident in your job mm -hmm. um, and with that confidence comes your ability to train others to engage collaboration to engage uh, growth 
as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's again, you know, even with a couple of our new technicians we onboarded, I think they've probably been on about six months or so, mm-hmm. um, is that they, they have that same thing. They're like, we thought we were really good techs before. They're like, but our skills have exploded since we've been here. You know, so it's, it's yeah. that kind of idea where it's like, all right, if we have an active feedback mechanism, and that's ultimately a solution, is that whether you're in a small group, small team, or a large organization, you have to have a process of follow-up and follow-through. So you need the individual to follow through, you need the, you know, and you need a process by which we're going to follow up. Yeah, because, um, yeah, so with that, the reason that you need that system, though, is because um, you have to have somebody that's, like, kind of pulling it out of the people because yeah. right it's it goes from a spoon feed to okay now i'm going to ask you leading questions and you're going to then yeah. ask me more questions yeah like you're going to <sighs> collaborate with the person that knows how to do it best first um a part of that is definitely self-awareness in understanding how you communicate how that person communicates yeah. being aware of like how communication works on a more fundamental level um but then because the fact that we just don't have that experience like for me that was i know how i learned how to do it yeah. and it was experience yeah like right. i sucked at it yeah. and then i tried more yeah. and then i got better at it yes. and now i'm okay at right. it <laughs> right. like i'm not great yeah. at the at the uh at, at asking the why question or asking the how can we do better question in a very effective way at the right time yeah. Right. Cause that's, I think that's what we're asking for is like, I can't tell you why this matters to you. Right. You have to ask me why something matters and then you contextualize it around yourself. Yes. Um, I also can't necessarily always, you have a perspective. I can't see your perspective. So I can't ask the question about how to do something better from your perspective. Right. Like I've seen it from my perspective, I've tried to make it as good as I can. Right, right, right. But you're seeing it differently. So now the active collaborator, the person that's that is a, that is responsible for that role is then asking that question to that person. Yeah. So from your perspective, how do we make this better? From your perspective, why does this matter to you? Right. How do we tie this all together because if you are able to engage that improvement process and engage the fact that this is personally like fulfilling like well then the rest is easy right then i'm not afraid to ask why anymore i'm not afraid even if it's you know that like that that pause of i i can't do this right now because there's 25 patients that are here um so that's the other part of that person's role that collaborator is like hey how's your follow-up going yeah yeah, because you're really good at pausing the conversation right how are you following up when are you following up what kind of time frames are you on that sort of thing which you're not going to bat a thousand on that by the way yeah right (laughs) like accept that failure now Yeah, yeah um but that's that's a huge role to be to be the person that's like that in between but also not in between Right, (laughs) right, right. Like I am the vehicle um, of just creating these conversations, but I'm not actually solving problems. I'm not, I'm just creating the process that solves problems. Yeah. That's hard for a lot of people to do because I think a part of it gets taken for granted. 
you know, when you're not the person that's coming up with the solutions, you can get dismissed. Right. Um, because right. it's like, well, clearly that's the process. Yeah. That's what was supposed to happen. Yeah. We're just making you make it happen yeah. and you just get forgotten. But, yeah. um, well, and that's even when Katie, when I was kind of talking to her about it, my initial, my initial thoughts on it was more like individual based, you know, on saying, well, this person's kind of in charge of that, but you're right. It's, you know, how is that information coming through and how is that information getting back? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, even Caroline, you know, she made the joke. She's like, I'm pretty much an emailer who emails, you know, when you're talking about yeah. the education coordinator, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, well, I don't know if I'm really helping. It's like, no, you are just to facilitate, you know, it's like greasing the wheels, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I think the concern that I would have is, um, uh, what did you define that, uh, the bullshit jobs? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and uh, for those, uh, you just, yeah, d- d- define it again for those who may not have heard before. Oh, it's, so it's uh, a, a bullshit job is a job that was created because of the presence of another job. So, um, and it, it's, uh, not to say that accountants are worthless. Yeah. Accountants do a lot <laughs> of very good, good things, but yes. if it weren't for the IRS, there would be much, many fewer accountants. Yes. So if you are not able to understand the purpose behind what it is that you're doing and how it's productive yeah. and a positive influence, if you're not contributing to the growth of the entity that you're serving, yeah. rather you're just staving off something else yeah it's essentially a bullshit job yeah and that's where so for me when i whenever the idea of like a middle job or middle management comes up into it or middle support role or you know whatever it is it's i always i always think to myself i'm like is this a bullshit job like if we take away this other thing does that job even need to exist you know and i think you know when i was that's what again one of the thoughts when i kind of brought it to um, you know, Katie, uh, you know, about a week and a half ago now, it was kind of that idea. It's just like, I think this is the way to do this. Yeah. Um, but like you said, you know, it needs to happen in a way that it's not just a bullshit job because again, we have to have scalability in both directions. If we are advising people to say, Hey, we need a collaborator to say, all right, do we need a collaborator in a group of 10 and an accountability agent in a group of 10? Mm -hmm. Do we need that in a group of a hundred, uh, either, you know, as Mm -hmm. accountability or growth? And I I believe the answer is yes. So, you know, in the day, you know, when we were a smaller group, we would have had a collaborator as an add-on role. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, well, you're going to help us kind of facilitate this. It's just going to, we're going to, you know, you're going to need 10 out, five hours a week in addition to your current duties and yada, yada, yada. Yep. Um, but now it's a matter of being like, no, it does kind of serve the greater good. I mean, there's only so much time in the day mm-hmm. and to have someone be able to assemble and track and, you know, and whether it's a single individual or a group that's kind of doing it, you know, again, yeah. uh, not to say that that's completely been identified. Um, but again, when we talk about creating abil- um, creating accountability, you can't actually create accountability without collaboration right so if you're having somebody monitor accountability somebody needs to be monitoring collaboration and or a group of individuals need to be monitoring collaboration um in a very responsible way so like you said it's you have to make sure that the flow of information happens in both directions only because what ends up happening and again my fear of corporate uh, corporatized medicine or corporate environments um is basically when you have solutions on the ground level mm-hmm. that are then being chucked off or ignored yeah. or when it's a small problem so if we're ignoring small problems what happens when a small problem becomes a very big problem we're like i wish we would have dealt with this six months ago right um so you know again there is there is a benefit to at least acknowledging that small problems exist and that's mm-hmm. the whole thing behind traction yeah between you know one year to three months yeah. to a week you know so on and so forth that's the whole idea of having those issues lists but you have to have a really really active process 
to not ignore the uh, issues, but prioritize the initiatives and, and your uh, just that prioritize the issues. Yeah, that's that's kind of twofold. So what we would call that in organizations where they would just have like a list of like 150 issues, it, they got substantial in oh, sure. previous other other engagements. It was okay list them all out. Like that would be like two hours worth of meeting. Just get it all out there. Yeah. Because if we don't know what the problems are, yeah. we can't solve the problems. Yeah. However, of us 150, 130 are going to go into this thing we call a parking lot. Yes. <laughs> like, yes, we know that they exist. We are not discounting the fact that they exist. However, yep. in terms of priority, our fire is hottest in these 20 things. Yeah. And if we can solve these things, solving these other issues gets much easier yes. because we're not having to just like keep pulling people out of the burning building here. Correct. We're going to put the fire out. Yep. So yep. that was, that was a big thing. Um, but the, so, so there, the one is the collection of that data. Yep. That's hard to do. Yep. That's hard to encourage people to say bad things about the people that pay them. Yep. Right. Also to the people who pay them. Right. Yes. Right. Right. So I work on the ground floor. Yep. How do I essentially talk shit about my employer to my employer? Yes. That's hard. Yep. That's a big hurdle for a lot of people. Yeah. Yep. Um, the second thing is then once you get through that triaging and prioritization process of those issues, how do you communicate that in an effective way to everybody that just fed you the other 130? Yes. Because that's that don't blow off my issue. Yes. Because yes. if you blow it off, I'm never going to say another damn thing again. Right. That's, right, right, that's right. the fear of the employee survey or the, 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 uh, the, the, the flaw, excuse me. Um, if you don't have good follow-up, even if you never, ever, ever solve that problem. Correct. Like if you don't follow up or if you follow up on a problem that you never solve, at the very least, you're acknowledging to that person that you heard them. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Oh, yes. That yes. is a problem. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, and and if if they're continuously heard, they will continue to give feedback, yeah. not necessarily focused on the implementation of a solution, but they're focused on the collaboration. And yeah. that's like I give you take yes. that's essentially yeah. collaborate and then yeah. we both move forward together yeah. um yeah. And, and so that, well and i think there's even a healthy respect of what the issues are yeah you know is that in kind of going through what the issues are it's a matter of like is someone actually going to step up yep. so if someone actually sees that we have these 130 uh issues and we're uh, 150. Yeah. We're working on these 20. Right. There's another 130 pending. Mm -hmm. And then you have 10 people be like, hey, can we maybe work on 50 of those? Right. Awesome. Well, let us, you know, direct traffic, you know, let us direct the solution creating or at least the plan and implementation of fixing those 50, at least in some capacity. Give us a heads up as you try to start to have those solutions. Yep. Um, but I would say that would be another barrier to uh, system correction mm -hmm. is who, if anybody, is willing to step up and step forward to aid in this process. Right. And are they necessarily responsible to step up? But again, I think that there becomes a uh, healthy acknowledgement of when these, when, like you said, not just that the issues are heard, but it's a collective parking lot of being like, look at how many cars we have out there. Right. You know, does anyone want to move some of those cars around for us and get 
get him back on the road. Yeah. You know, and if the answer is, well, no, 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 I can't help. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. Like, all right, cool. Um, then at least be respectful of the fact that the group who is collaborating to work on solutions for the system-wide issues, just as much as the individual-based problems, give them a little slack to know that we can't fix all 50 right now. Right. You know, right. And, and that's where... Again, I, like you said, it's it's a matter of saying, nope, we definitely have your problem on the list of 150. These are the ones that, you know, not to say they're more or less important, but these are the these are the ones that really need to be solved right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, as we work through it, like you said, maybe solutions here will create, um, you know, or at least our plan here will create solutions in other areas. It's, yeah, it just creates opportunity for yeah. other solutions once those problems are gone because yeah. if you're continuously tending to the same 10 problems, you can't solve the other ones that exist. Correct. Um, I think a big part of that too, though, with like, cause what you're saying in like, there's nothing wrong with not necessarily wanting to solve, like be the person that creates the solution that implements the plan, right? Like that's okay, but that's level three performance as we kind of like yeah. struggled to define a couple of years ago. It's like, yeah. okay, then just acknowledge what the standards are and uphold the standards. Like I'm not yeah. expecting you to come up with the solutions to engage right. us at a higher level. That's fine. Yeah. Continue to do your job well. And we are more than happy to have you here every day. Yeah. Like whatever day is your schedule. Right. That's right, right. perfect. Yeah. Um, so there is that, but it, I think a part of the fear of jumping into four and jumping into five of a, of that, like now I'm improving, now I'm trying to increase cons, uh, competence and increase clarity with these people that I work around is where do I go first, right? And that's kind of when you say directing traffic. Yeah. Um, number one, if I don't know the full reality or the full scope, like if I don't ever see the 150 issues, how do I know what to solve? Um, but also if I see it, well, that's a lot of stuff. I think I could do that one. Right. 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 Like now who do I ask? Like who do I go to, to collab or even just be like, Hey, I have a potential solution. Um, and not having that type of a, you know, and we, I think we kind of have that with the SRMs and, and having our org chart in essentially being a communication chain and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But that, or even like opening the door. So if I have somebody that's specifically like, hey, the door's open, yeah. what do you got to say? Yeah. Having that active collaborator type role does increase the likelihood of that um, thought process of, hey, I want to solve this problem. It doesn't guarantee it. Right, right. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a tough hurdle for a lot of people to get over the other part of it too that i will just throw out there is setting realistic expectations from an ownership level of those that you work with work oh sure so like yeah you're that's the that's a gary v thing where it's like um you're never going to have people that are going to work as hard as you if you're a business owner yeah. and you should never expect them to no. yeah. so like what are your expectations for these people solving these issues uh, and i think if you are in an administrative position uh supporting position ownership position i think the answer to that is uh how much failure do you have uh consistently among multiple people yeah so if you say this is how i define a veterinary nurse or technician this is how i define a doctor this is the role responsibility of see it you know caregiver support guide this is a you know whatever and it's like this is what i have decided this job can do mm-hmm. and then you have 10 people in that job four people in that job three people in that job and it's like they're not upholding the standard that you set out 
there's two ways to go about it. One is uh, going to a performance review, you know, as an administrator. I said that this job was doable. And when you signed your contract, when you took employment, you said this job was doable. Mm-hmm. You said you could perform this task. You said you could do this. Uh, and then you have that same conversation with like five people. Right. And it's like, okay, so does that mean that the role description needs to change because now we have systemic flaw or do we just have five people who all individually have the same problem? Right. And are they different or are they the same? Right. You know, and I, and again, so I I think that's the answer is that you're right. You have to set realistic expectations for individuals, you know, team members. Um, but it needs to be an active process. That's the thing, you know, and I think we need to make sure that if we take away responsibilities, we're not taking away responsibilities because of a lack of desire. Mm -hmm. Because again, if we have desire, if they are hungry, that's different. Mm -hmm. But if it's like, I just don't want to do this. We're not saying take away responsibilities because someone doesn't want to do something, but it's like, you know, it's for us with the caregiver support, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's same thing with the office generals. That's now two different jobs. Mm -hmm. Caregiver support. We're talking about having, you know, two, three and four on at a time. This one's running this this one's doing that this one's doing this and it's like because we continue to see repeated conflict people were offboarding before the end of their three months like it is absolute chaos yeah it's fucking chaos mm-hmm. you know so that's then the thought be like all right well if this is the conflict how do we start to change these roles how do we start to redefine these roles how do we start to create a realistic expectation for employees. And that would have never happened without collaboration. It would have been like, why is everyone failing at this job that we wrote down that we think they should be able to do when we had a quarter of the business that we had five (laughs) years ago? Right. (laughs) You know? So, Again, it comes back to what we said, you know, a few minutes ago, or, you know, maybe 20 minutes ago is like, you know, we can't use the pandemic as a crutch to just explain away our problems um, and not come up with objective solutions to those problems. Like it, mm-hmm. it sucks. I mean, there's a lot of really bad things happening in the world as there will always continue to be bad things that happen in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's just right now, this is sort of the bad thing that's happening to us collectively. So it's a matter of like, okay, coming back into the growth mindset not just this, not being powerless to it, not being victim to it, mm-hmm. but what is that opportunity to improve performance and improve fulfillment? All right, well, let's start to collaborate on where have the stressors come from? We had this issues list. We said, this is what we're going to deal with in the next year. We got halfway through the year and it's like, oh my God, we haven't even touched our initiatives yet. Cool. Change what your initiatives are. Yep. You thought that was the way we were going, but we need to go in that direction. And in right. going in that direction, how are we going to continue to have a feedback mechanism from those around us, uh, whether it be supporting role members, uh, you know, so on and so forth? How do we have this feedback mechanism to make sure that we actually are focusing on the hottest fire? Yeah, you know, is this the iron that we should be striking right now, or is there another one in the fire that's substantially hotter that needs to be struck? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's again, that's part of that collaborative process, which you need administratively. You need that administrative. That's why, again, the collaborator position isn't a bullshit job. You need someone directing traffic on what the initiative is. And even today I was having that conversation that it was like, you know, really falling into ownership and falling into management was more of like, I just need to see some change around here. Mm -hmm. And I need to, again, that return on investment, I need to be fulfilled. And then it was just like, oh my God, we're becoming more efficient. Now we're seeing more business. Now we're seeing more of this. Now our team has grown. That's not an accident. 
It's not, you know, we're not completely victim to the amount of business that we had coming in. It's like, no, we have this much business because we can handle this much business with the number of people that we have, Mm -hmm. which is a substantial amount for a relatively small crew. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and that didn't happen by accident. You know, and it's saying that when we started out with Paul and saying we have this, you know, we talked about before, it's the um, quality and quantity cross, you know, where quality and quantity cross plan for that. How do we get to that point? Mm -hmm. Well, you need a collaborator. You know, and sometimes, you know, that's kind of our relationship with the starting our strategic planning. We needed that collaborative mechanism, yeah. you know, but then it's like, how yeah. do you then boil that over into the staff level? And it's, it's, yeah. it's there. I, and, I, and I think the process will probably be pretty similar Absolutely. because what I was actually just going to say that, like, you didn't know how to do it. Right, like it oh, wasn't no. in, it's not in an no. innate skill set. No, I had to leave the room, remember? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, and, and it's not even so, and, and I, it's not even so much that you were just like, we have to do everything now. Like that was, it was satirical, but it was also serious. And it's like, I get it. Like, but also you're the four people, three people at the time that are implementing these solutions. Because the thing is, if you try and delegate this stuff, it is going to go very poorly. Like you have to be the people that set these standards out because it was very company early. And it was just like, holy shit. Like we just got to cross some boxes off here. Right. Um, And through that, um, you know, you went from, I'm going to do everything to, how do I delegate as much as possible? Yep. Yeah. And that that was a big learning curve. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people, once they get into that, like I want performance level four, I want it, I want number five, I want to be a leader, I want to be a mentor, is that in that initial response is going to actually be a rescuer response. Yes. Right? No, I uh, it's completely it is, it is funny you say that. Yeah. Because uh that that actually I have been thinking about this last week cuz I'm working at the doctor schedule uh coming into the fall or what have you. And I've been thinking about that very exact thing. Yeah. I I have been falling back on old habit of well we have open shifts, you know, we have PTO that needs to get covered, you know, we have a lot of these different items and I'm just like, "Well, I'll do it." Well, I'll do it. Well, I'll do it. Well, I'll do it. Well, I'll do it. And it's like, wait a minute, Riolo. This is exactly what you have been doing or had been trying to do five to six years ago. And you can't. Right. And part of that is in my mind, and it's something that I still struggle with, is it's an admission of failure. Uh, I can't do all of this on my own. Mm -hmm. Shift to work. I can't do all of this on my own, you know, Mm -hmm. work to be had, surgeries to be done. I can't do all of this on my own. Mm -hmm. It's just, to me, it feels like a failure, but really what it is, is it's my innate, innate process of being a rescuer. Mm -hmm. You know, it's here to save the day. I can come in. I can do this. I believe that, uh, my, you know, what is it, uh, that others value the good deeds, which I know there is value from others in what Mm -hmm. I do, but you know, to say that that is, you know, this thing that I fall back to, it's like, no, it, it needs to be a more collaborative effort on here is realistically what I need help with. Right. And this is the plan that I have currently for what I need help with rather than just, 
you know, turtling all of this stuff in and just keeping it in my shell and saying, nope, I'll just deal with it. It's like, but that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. That didn't happen administratively. We grew so much faster by just being open and having an open line of communication. It should be the same thing with shift work. It should be the same thing with working as a technician, working as a veterinarian, being like, I just need help. And you don't know. You don't know other people's perspective. You don't know what they have on their day-to-day. You don't know what they're willing to do. But until you ask for help, you make assumptions that they don't want to do it. You have assumptions that they don't want to do it. You have assumptions that they don't have time to do it. Right. You know, and those are all assumptions. It's not appropriate. So that's where, again, Again, it's like, you know, for me when, you know, cause I get a lot of questions, I'm a solo practitioner. I'm trying to find another, uh, veterinarian. I'm trying to do this. I don't have time to do it. I get those questions a lot. Carlo, how do you do it all? How can you get this done? How could you do that? And it's like, honestly, it's because of the team around me. It always has been because of the team around me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, family life and kids. How do you do that? It's because I have an amazing wife who can do all of these things that I can't when I'm doing these other things. It's the only way that it works. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that as veterinarians as a whole, we struggle with the idea of allowing other people to do things that we want to have control over. It's not a failure to give up responsibility of an item. It's an active engagement of collaboration. Mm -hmm. So the more things we can acknowledge that we can't get done uh, and the more things we can acknowledge to have someone to collaborate with and someone to perform that task, the more we are engaging growth. Mm -hmm. Growth are individuals that are committed to the success of the individual and the team. Mm -hmm. And every time we fall back on just, you know, say, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Just stop. Yeah. Just don't engage those around you Mm -hmm. Then don't be a rescuer to the task. Right. So last night I will say I have not read this book, but it came up actually, I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast and he brought up this book. It's called the four agreements a practical guide to personal freedom. It was written by Don Miguel Ruiz. I have not read this book, but um, basically it is, it, it's similar to some Jocko Willing stuff where it's like, you know, it, it's similar to um, extreme Yank ownership. The yep. It's, ex- yep. it's, he's got his discipline equals freedom. He's got the, um, his code. I don't remember the name of it, but he's like a personal code book, but it's, it's four agreements. It's one, be impeccable with your word. So I want to bring that one up because it is, um, you know, if you were, if you're going to play that rescuer role, I'm sorry to tell you at some point you're going to promise that you're going to do something and you're not going to do it. Yes. You're going to over promise and under deliver. Yes. You and I've both lived that in our own lives. Go ahead and talk to Katie about that (laughs) on my behalf. Right. Yes. Right. So, so the, the thing about that and the reason that this matters is like, yes, there's value in it. And like, you can see and realize that value, but at some point that habitual behavior is going to, bite you right in the ass. Absolutely. Number two, speaking from experience. Right. Yes, right. Yes. And continuing to learn from it too. Yeah, like, cause it, it, right. Um, number two, don't take anything personally. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, think that that's, that's a, I, yeah. like you and I don't necessarily yeah. have that as a, as a, as a barrier, but you know, to me, like th- these are actually pretty good rules for no. collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like yeah. I'm not here when I'm collaborating with you to tell you that you're a bad person. Correct. This is not me versus you. Right, right, right. Um, we have to have that actively in our mindset because of the cultural training of division. 
correct right? yeah you know, with the, the with the presence of the political environment and like everyone's day-to-day and how yeah. it's so me versus you and then also just the drama dynamic that exists in every tv show in the whole freaking world right now yep. we're all being trained discreetly to take things personally and we have to say no i'm not going to take this personally we're going to disagree on the what the how the when the where but we're not going to disagree on the why and i'm going to look at you and we might disagree but you're still at least at the very least my coworker, and i'm going to respect you yeah 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 um number three you just said it don't make assumptions yep walk into every scenario curious yep um Actually, I'm going to put a link in the description to a, it's like a five minute clip from the show, Ted Lasso. Have you watched, have you heard of the show? So Ted Lasso is about a um, American football coach that gets hired to coach English football. And he's just full of monologues and it's Jason Sudeikis. So it's funny too, but he talks about how um, every time that you assume or judge somebody, you're just not curious enough. Yeah. You haven't asked. Yeah. You haven't asked the right question yet. Yeah. And it's not to say that your assumption might be wrong, yeah. but don't assume that you're right. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is always do your best. So if you're going to get into it, give it all you got. Yeah. And I think if you go into the concept of collaboration with those four rules, um, I don't know if there's much of a way, you know, I wrote down all these barriers, but it's like those kind of go away if you're doing all of those things. And yeah. then you have a person who teaches people how to do all of these things. So you talk about rescue yeah. response, but it's like, well, it's not because I am worried about you creating more victims. It's yeah. because I want you to be impeccable with your word. Yeah. And this sequence of behaviors will get yeah. you out of that. Yeah. And that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yep, and that was that was actually my uh, dad's father. He, that was one of the big things that he got into me, probably in my teenage years. Actually, he's like, "Don't say something if you're not going to do it." Yeah, you know that was like his big selling point. And I mean, obviously, it's not like he had those four things stated. Yeah, but but it, but it was it, it, it still drives home that like some of these things really aren't necessarily new. Right. You know, some of them aren't necessarily unique or they aren't, you know, groundbreaking. But the idea is, you know, like you said, in that collaborative process, I agree. If you can hit on um, those four and trying to be objectively as objective as possible. And that's why I like the after action. That's why I haven't shed a tear when we've had employees offboard themselves after after actions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, oh, so we can't even talk about this objectively enough to identify if the problem is in the individual or if the problem is in the process right we don't even we can't even get to that point oh okay cool then we're done here right um but yeah so i mean that's where again you know i, I focusing very hard on that objective but i mean we're all um how can i say we're all at risk for falling back into habitual behavior mm-hmm. uh, but really the solution to habitual behavior is that active collaborative process and creating new habits it's not even fighting the good fight of old habits just figure out a new way to create new habits and with those new habits eventually comes success mm-hmm. and as you start to create those new habits um, if we can h- continue to hit barriers and identify what the new barriers are to the old habits 
we may accidentally fix a portion of ourselves. Mm -hmm. We may accidentally fix something within ourselves that allows us to teach other people. Um, and that's where when we talk about, you know, this collaborative process, there very well may be people who are like, cool, I'm happy that we identified those 150 problems. I need to deal with my own problems before I can deal with those 150 problems, but I don't even know what my own problems are. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's where it's a matter of just this active, ongoing collaborative process to make sure that we are accountable. And you can't be accountable without collaboration. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that was the whole thing. That was the whole right? thing. You yeah. just nailed it. Nailed you just, it. I was going to ask you to wrap it up. But yeah. You just did did yeah. <laughs> you, you hit it well there we go yeah that was a that was a pretty good as as we usually do off the cuff podcast you know sometimes you just got to see where the sentence goes it's gotta go so awesome all right well let's let's uh let's see ourselves out yeah you got it man so all right guys thanks for coming around for another podcast we'll catch you next time